comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs and one. Cal up top. Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. And he popped it deep. He was banging. Well, Watson and a foul. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What's good, Aztec fans? Welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. My name is Trone. I'll be your host. Uh, Before we get into it, remember that whatever uh, platform you're listening on, if they have the option to follow, subscribe, whatever, find me on Twitter, at Aztec Breakdown. Follow me on YouTube, Aztec Breakdown. It's pretty consistent throughout the social media realm. Um, If they have an option, comment, like, leave leave a favorable review, all that type of stuff. It'll really help me out a lot. Today, um, you know, we're at the point of the offseason, I guess, or the preseason where I've kind of talked about all the big things leading up into the season. But I wanted to share some of the things I've seen that make me pretty excited about this season. And then also at the very end, talk about... Um, you know, some of those same things, but why they might be saying I, not that I shouldn't be excited, but to not start celebrating a championship quite, quite yet. Um, so the first thing is I want to talk about uh, POE or points over expectation. If you've been listening to me for a while or following me on Twitter, or whatever, you've heard me talk about this before really quickly as a review in case anyone is confused or uh, a new listener. POE stands for points over expectation. And what it does is it measures how efficient a player is by comparing the amount and type of shots a player takes and the output of those shots compared to an average player. And so if you have a POE of one, it means that you account for one point more than an average player would over the course of a game. It does count offense and defense, which is something I really like about it. That's the gist of it, right? So offensively and defensively, there's components for each of them. And just how much more or less efficient are you than an average player would be with the type of shots you took in the amount that you took them? Really quick, let's go over some of the departing players to see what we're losing in terms of an efficiency standpoint. Uh, First, we got Jalen McDaniels at the top of my list left for the draft. He had a POE of 0.4, basically, uh, which means overall he was slightly better than average in terms of of his efficiency. He accounted for 0.4 points more per game than an average player would have. It's not great. It's not world-beating. But it is, it is better than average, and so you lost you know, a decent player there. We lost Devin Watson, who had 1.048. So basically one, one POE. And that's, a, that's a good player right there. That's a solid player that we lost. And for him, that all came from offense. His defensive component was at exactly zero, so that's exactly average. So that 1.048 is all offense. And so that's a that's a big time contributor, and on a team, especially at the end of the season, that lacked offensive players, offensive contributors, shots weren't falling. Devin Watson carried them, so that's a that's a decent loss. You got Jeremy Hemsley had a POE of negative zero point five eight four, basically negative zero point six, 
which means in terms of efficiency, he was slightly below average when you account for his offense and his defense. So those are all, you know, if you, if you add up the overall efficiency per game of those three players, it comes out to about 0.7, give or take. I just did the math in my head real quick, so don't be mad at me if it's a little bit off. About 0.7. Right, So you're losing about a point a game over what an average trio of players would give you. A little less than a point. We can compare that to the players who are coming in. And Malachi Flynn in his last season at Washington State had a POE of 2.5. So that's really good. And he, on his own makes up for that loss in terms from an efficiency standpoint, right? I, I want to keep saying that it doesn't necessarily mean he's better or worse than the other players, even though I think he is. Uh, but it's just in terms of efficiency, right? So he makes up for that on his own. KJ Fagan had a POE of 0.416. So, you know, almost half a point better than an average player. Um, And that's good. That's a little bit higher than where Jalen McDaniels was. So that's good. The difference is that Jalen McDaniels' impact, or his, not impact, I'm sorry, his efficiency came mostly from the defensive end, actually, whereas KJ's comes mostly from the offensive end. And on offense, he's almost as, or he was in his last full season at at, uh, Santa, I think it was Santa Clara, he was almost as efficient as Malachi Flynn was in his last full season at Washington State. So Malachi Flynn's POE, or his, his offensive component of it, was basically two. And KJ Fagan's was basically 1.9. So they're really close offensively. You have a couple really efficient offensive players. The difference is KJ Fagan had a defensive efficiency of 1.5. And on defense, you want negative values because it means you're allowing that many less points. And so 1.5 on defense is pretty bad. So it comes out to, you know, 0.4, 0.5, which is still, you know, in terms of efficiency, it's a net positive. That's what you want. Um, I'm curious to see how those two numbers will change because POE does not account for uh, quality of competition. And so a guy like Malachi Flynn, for example, in the Pac-12 should be playing against better players than he'll see in the Mountain West. Should be. Maybe not necessarily, but in theory he should be. And so if he's playing worse defenders, his his offensive POE might go up, you know, so his might end up being even higher this year or his senior year. KJ Fagan might have the opposite effect, is his might go down because his his the level of competition should be higher in the Mountain West than it was in in I don't remember if he's the West Coast Conference or the or the WAC, whatever it was. It should be higher here. So that'll be interesting to see. The last one is Yanni Wetzel, who had a POE of negative 0.052. So basically right around average. Uh, that's another one that I expect to go up this season because he was playing at Vanderbilt, um, which is, you know, part of a, it's a high major school. And so moving to the Mountain West, he should have a little bit worse off competition and that number should go up at least a little bit. But he's basically at average. So, you know, when you combine all those, you end up between those three players with a POE of about three. And so that more than offsets the lost POE of about 0.7 by a lot. It really it really helps out this team in terms of efficiency. POE has been 
correlated to success in terms of wins at about, you know, 80% correlation, which means it is important to winning games. It's not the end all be all, but it makes sense that if you're efficient in terms of your scoring and your defense, you should win more games. And so gaining that POE should help the Aztecs win more this season. Uh, finishing out the starting lineup, Matt Mitchell had a POE of about 0.4, so right about where KJ is, um, most of that coming from the defensive side of the ball. And then Nathan Mensa had a POE of 1.6, which is really good for a freshman. Most of that, once again, coming from the defensive side of the ball. It actually, I have POE numbers going back to, I think, the 2010-2011 season, or the 09-10 season, one of the two. About about a decade, I have numbers going back because that's as far as synergy goes back and is reliable. So over the last decade, Nathan Mensa's POE on a per game basis would rank seventh all time. And when you combine it for all the games he played, it actually ranks fifth over the past decade compared to all Aztec players throughout throughout the last ten years. So that's really good. It has me really excited for Nathan and uh, just what he brings to the table. One other player I wanted to talk about, just because his POE is relevant, is Jordan Shackle. Jordan Shackle had a POE of 1.8, and most of that coming from the offensive end. And for a team that struggles offensively, generally speaking, that's really good. And Jordan Shackle fell off just like everybody else at the end of last year. I don't know what happened. Um, it just, you know, shots just stopped falling, but on a per game basis, you know, he's accounting for two points more than an average player would. That's really good. It ranks fifth in the last decade in terms of a per game basis, and it ranks sixth over the course of the season, and that's because he missed, I think, five or six games over the course of the season. Um, but what that tells me is that, you know, he's super efficient, especially on offense, and he needs to get minutes right and so that's just that that's pretty much it for poe i think oh there was one other thing so as a thought experiment i wanted to see the combined points over expectation of aztec starting fives over the last decade and see if there was any correlation there between if they made the tournament or how far they made it into the tournament anything like that what I found, there isn't any super obvious patterns. Um, it's a very small sample size. I would love to do this for the whole Mountain West. That might be a project I start next offseason. Uh, it just takes a long time to input all the numbers and get these, get these stats back. What I did see was that every time an Aztec team had a POE of at least three, they made a postseason tournament, whether it was the NIT or whether it was the NCAA tournament. They made it with less than that sometimes too, which is why it gets tricky, but if they had at least three, they made it in to a tournament. If they had a POE of uh, at least four, they made it into the big time, the NCAA tournament. And so those are, those are you know numbers to keep in mind. There's something I'm gonna be keeping my eye on this season. Just for fun, I. I uh, added up all the POEs from the last full season that the projected starting five played. So for me, that's KJ Fagan, Malachi Flynn, Matt Mitchell, 
uh, Yanni Wetzel, and Nathan Mensa. I added up all their POEs from their last full season, and it came out with a total of uh, 4.928. And so, like I said, if they had a POE higher than 4, they made the NCAA tournament, and the the... I mean, it's not really a projection isn't fair, but just the total of their last full seasons of the starting five has a POE of almost five. So that bodes really well, and that's not including Jordan Shackle coming off the bench with his POE that was almost two last season. And so that just, that, you know, that really um, makes me excited, essentially, for this season. I think this is going to be a good team. I think it fits what Dutcher wants to do really well, all that type of stuff. Um, and I'm excited to see how it goes. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about, and we're doing pretty good on time. I want to keep this one a little bit shorter. There's one other stat that I'm going to try to use a lot more this season. And it's called Player Impact Plus Minus. I've tweeted about it a couple times, but nothing super consistent. Player Impact Plus Minus, or PIPM, is probably the best single stat you can look at in terms of determining how effective a player is on the court. It's an impact stat, so it measures how well a team does when a player is on the court, essentially. What separates it from what I was doing last year, for example, if you followed me last year, you would see I'd put out numbers that said, you know, when this player's on the court, the team does this much better. And I even referenced those numbers in uh, my player preview podcast. What separates player impact plus minus is it does all these super fancy mathematical things and whatnot that I don't, I don't know about. I don't, you know, I'm not exactly a math guy, Um, but it, it adjusts for things like uh, luck. It adjusts for the quality of the teammates that are on the court with the player. It adjusts for the quality of the opponents that the team is playing. And it just does all sorts of fancy math things and regressions and, and whatever. Um, and, then it, and then it spits out a number. And so it just it gives a lot more context. No single stat is going to be perfect. You just have to understand what the stat is telling you. Um, But for what it's worth, PIPM is probably the best one that's available if you're looking at college basketball. Pro basketball has some better things uh, because they just have more money, essentially. Um, But PIPM is, is really good. The version I'm using of it is a little bit watered down for reasons that I won't bore you guys with. Um, it's not the full version that Jacob Goldstein designed. By the way, if you aren't already and if you like uh, basketball analytics or um, professional basketball, you should follow Jacob Goldstein. He's, he's a good guy. He's super nice. He's helped me out with a lot of this stuff. And uh, he's just really smart about these types of things. Regardless, I wanted to explain what it was because I'm going to be using it and I want people to understand it when I'm using it. With all that being said... Let's get into some of the numbers and let's look at some of the same stuff we just did. So first, let's start off with the players who were leaving. In terms of PIPM, player impact plus minus, 
Devin Watson had a PIPM of 1.94, basically two. So his impact over the course of a game was two points better than an average player. Once again, zero is average, similar to with PoE. So basically two points better. Um, so that's good. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a solid player. Jalen McDaniels was 2.37. So, you know, once again, solid player. Uh, these are pretty similar with PoE in terms of where it's coming from. So like Devin Watson's is mostly offensive. Jalen McDaniels is mostly defensive. That type of thing. Jeremy Hemsley had a PIPM of negative 0.04, which puts him at right about average. It does do a really good job for all the adjustments, like I said, though. For, so, for example, last season, the numbers that I had that just tracked how many points were scored, essentially, when a player was on the court, said that the defense was a lot worse when Jeremy Hemsley was on the floor than it was with anybody else. And I had people ask, like, why is that? Because Jeremy Hemsley was objectively a good defensive player. So why was it the worst when he was on the floor? It was likely just because he was playing against the best players. Um, and and it's, it's basically as simple as that. This does the adjustments, and it comes, it turns out that according to PIPM, Jeremy Hemsley's his defensive component was 0.86, so almost a point per game better than an average player. Um, so, I mean, those are the types of adjustments that I'm talking about and why PIPM is so much better than anything else that's really available, and especially anything else that's available for free. Those are the three players that are leaving. And then once again, we can compare that to the three players that are coming in. And we got uh, Malachi Flynn, at Washington State, had a PIPM of 3.7. So that's higher than any of the outgoing players on its own, once again. Um, that was at Washington State. I'm not as confident in, in, in predicting whether like these numbers will go up or down as much because of all those adjustments um, and because I'm still pretty new at playing with PIPM. Um, it's harder for me to project whether I think it'll go up or down the way I did with PoE. But for what it's worth, it's a solid, solid number. Absolutely. We can look at KJ Fagans at Santa Clara in his last full season, and it was negative 0.99. So basically negative one. Uh, so his impact was one point worse than what an average player would have been. That's not, it's not great. It's not necessarily the end of the world. Like there, you know, it can be much, much worse, obviously. But it's not great. And I'll get into a little bit more why it's not great um, in a couple minutes once I return to the Aztec players again. I do need to look up Yanni, but I have to wait for my computer to load his scores here. So while I'm doing that, we can go back to the Aztec players and do the rest of the lineup that's returning. So we got Matt Mitchell. He had a PIPM of 0.09, so basically average. His impact last season was average. I do think that will go up because I think his quality of play will go up because he's shedding weight, and I think he'll be in a better system. I think the coaches will use him in a better way, so I do think that one will go up, and I think I have solid reasons for expecting that. Nathan Mensa had a PIPM of 2.61. So that's higher than Jalen McDaniels, and it's actually second on the team. 
Spoiler alert. Um, but it's really solid, and most of that is defensive. Nathan Mensah was another guy that the numbers I tracked last season said the offense was better when he was on the court by like 10 points per 100 possessions. It was ridiculous. And it was hard to figure out why that would be. Um, the easiest explanation is just that he was playing with the best offensive players. When you look at his offensive component of PIPM, it's negative 0.57, which is probably right about where I would have thought he would have been anyways. Um, so he's not like an offensive savant. He doesn't impact scoring a whole lot, especially not in a positive way. Um, that could change this season, though, obviously. But in his last season, not so much. But his defensive impact was was huge, and that's great. Um, coming back to Yanni, his PIPM Yanni Wetzel was negative 0.57. So overall, you know, in terms of impact, right about average. His defensive was positive, his offensive was negative, and it came out to a negative overall. Um, you know, once again, I don't know if I can predict how that might change moving from what was like the SEC or whatever to the Mountain West, but it is it is what it is, and I do think he will be a good player. The one thing that I do think would help his number out positively, actually, is that at Vanderbilt, he was used as a center a lot, and from what I understand, the coaches want to use him as more of a power forward, and so that role change should help him out and bring him up to at least average, if not above average. Coming back to KJ, the reason I'm worried about it isn't so much just because it's negative, um, because that, I mean, just, it can happen sometimes and whatever. The thing that worries me is that you look at Jordan Shackle and his PIPM is 6.5. And so if you're giving KJ Fagan a bunch of minutes and, and, you know, let me take a step back. I don't want to like sound like I'm dogging on, on KJ at all. He seems like a good dude. The the clips you see from scrimmages on Twitter and stuff, he looks good. And the and the tape I saw, he looked good too. And especially on the offensive end, it's it's the defensive side that that is concerning. And I do also understand that on tape, Jordan Shackle doesn't look like the best defensive player. And so getting ahead of myself a little bit, but you know, if you just swap out Jordan for KJ, does it really solve the problems? I don't necessarily know, but just looking at the data, right? If you just look at the PIPM, KJ Fagan has a negative one. Basically, Jordan Shackle has a 6.5. And this is on a points per game basis compared to an average player. So if you swap out those two, that's a net change of seven and a half points per game more than an average player would give you. And that's, you know, seven and a half points more for your team, essentially. Um, also, adding to that, Jordan Shackle is positive on both sides of the ball. He's at 3.64 on offense and 2.86 on defense. The specifics of the numbers aren't as important as just it's positive on both ends of the ball. PIPM also has a wins added component to it, um, which just says this is how many wins this player contributed to this team's total, basically. Um, it is affected by playing time. So remember Jordan Shackle missed six games. Despite that, he added the most wins out of anybody on the team last season. And that's, I mean, once again, like I said, 
no single stat is perfect. That's up for debate. Um, the next players were Devin Watson and then Jalen McDaniels were both pretty close, but they were both about a quarter of a win away from Jordan Shackle. And so it's just tough seeing those numbers and saying for sure, like, KJ should start. When I looked at his tape, I thought he looked like a really good six man in terms of, at least in terms of how I would want to coach. Like, I would want a guy who can come in and be a spark plug and score off the bench and also be able to create. Not just score, but create. If you're, if you think NBA, think like a Jamal Crawford type of guy. Um, something something along those lines. And so Shackle as a six-man doesn't perfectly fit that because he's not so much a shot creator, but he has a lot of offensive impact, whereas K.J. Fagan has that offensive impact but is a shot creator. So when I saw the film, that's what I was thinking. Um, I do think K.J. will start because I don't think he would come here if he wasn't told he was going to start. Um, and a part of me is kind of like, I really hope that... I don't know, not that these numbers are wrong, but just, you know, that enough changes to make it like, okay, this is why KJ is starting over over Jordan. That would be, that would be great. But I don't know, it is what it is. I just wanted to point out those numbers um, and that'll be something that I'll be keeping my eye on over the course of the season. The last thing I wanted to do is take a look real quick. Before I get too hype, I wanted to look at some other numbers to try and keep myself in check. I'm definitely a homer, right? I'm a fan first. And so I don't necessarily try and like hide that. I just try to acknowledge it so that as a listener, whether you're an Aztec fan or not, you can hear that and say, he does have this bias. It's part of what it is. I hate it when people say they're unbiased because you can't be unbiased. And I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But regardless, um, I am a homer. So that's the lens I view things through. But in terms of trying to check myself, um, looking at some other numbers too, I wanted to point out, we just said Jordan Shackle led the Aztecs last season with a 6.5 PIPM. Sam Merrill in that same season had a 7.83 PIPM. So that's a good amount better. Nemius Keita, or Keita, I always forget how to say his last name. I'm sorry, Nemius, but he had a PIPM of 5.75. So those are their top two players, and they combine for just a lot of impact all over the floor. They're both positive in both the offensive and the defensive components of it. And so what that tells me is from an impact standing, or maybe a talent standing even if you want to interpret it that way, the Aztecs don't quite match up with in terms of the top players. That doesn't mean they can't beat Utah State, but... It tells me Utah State should be the favorite in the conference. I have seen at least one place say San Diego State is the favorite. I don't really buy it, but, you know, it's fine. They have their own methods, and that's okay. Um, It seems like the consensus is Utah State and then New Mexico and then maybe San Diego State, which that I could buy. I didn't think people would have New Mexico that high, Uh, but they do, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I definitely get get why. But I just wanted to throw those numbers out there in order to check myself and, and give myself, challenge my optimism bias a little bit. 
I do still think the Aztecs will make the tournament. I'm not coming off of that prediction. I made it, so I'm not going to change it. I'm just <laughs> going to hope for the best. Um, but yeah, that's just, like I said, to check to check that optimism bias a little bit. Wanted to point that out. With that, I believe that's all I have, which is good timing because it's been about 30 minutes. Uh, remember, wherever you're listening, like, follow, subscribe, find me across all the social media. Um, and thanks for listening, Aztec fans, and I'll see you next week.